We'll turn to Philippians chapter 2. We're continuing our study of angels and demons. And it's a great study, powerful study. We're seeing spirit beings that are in the world, and they're both good and bad. That's what's sort of wild about it is these spirit beings, let's just face it, they're in this room. They're in this room. I started to uh, to write down some stuff because you know we've been talking about the demonic aspect of it. I listened to a lady talk today on the radio who was uh, who had been in uh, demonic stuff and she'd got into it with uh, a Ouija board, and 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 people say, well, that's just some kind of game or something. No, it's not a game. We need to stay away from anything that's demonic, anything that opens you up to that kind of thing. Anyway, we've been seeing about angels and demons, but the angels there are over two hundred and sixty references to angels uh, there in the beginning of the Bible in the garden all the way up to the new Jerusalem well who are these beings what do they do uh, how do we relate to them what does God want us to know about it well we saw in the very first lesson the existence of angels and we talked all about them and then we saw the organization of angels the different ranks and names and responsibilities and then our last lesson we saw the ministry of angels and first of all the ministry of angels to God and then to mankind and of course in this lesson we're going to see the angels' ministry to Christ. And I think it is just amazing. When I started to, to study this some, some years ago, because I've taught this in the past, but when I was studying this some years ago, I kept thinking, you know, angels, they're everywhere. And every time you think about Jesus, there are angels there. There's angels connected with him all the time. And we find that in the places in the life of the ministry of Jesus Christ and the life and everything, there are angels are there. There's so much. So we want to see that. And that's primarily tonight. As always, if you got questions, you can stop me and we'll go over questions. If not, we'll, I'm sure we'll end just a little early and we can do questions there and go over anything like that. So let's start off and say that Jesus Christ, who is the God and Savior, he is the greatest person who has ever lived, right? And you can see your little note there. He's the greatest person that ever lived. He's the eternal Son of God. He's the Savior. He's the King. He's the Creator, the Redeemer, the Sustainer, the Protector. He's everything. He created everything and holds all things together. So He's the eternal God. And, and we'll talk more about Him in just a second. When we think about it, we think about God and how He exists as a, a trinity. Je as I said, Jesus is the greatest person who's ever lived. God is always and will exist in, in the trinity. And we put this up. We've, always, we've seen this before. In, in the trinity, there's the Father, there's the Son, and there's the Holy Spirit. And this is what we call the Trinity. And what's amazing is this. This is God. And the Father and, and, and the Holy Spirit, they're, they're, they're not the same. Is not. Father's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not the Father. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Father's not. I mean, what we understand, and it's just we cannot comprehend it. One God in three persons. And yet there's just one God, and yet he exists in three persons as a Father, a Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we go, wow, that's, it's beyond comprehension. There are so many things in the Bible that are beyond comprehension that you can't grasp. That's why he says, oh, the depths of the riches, both the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. That's Romans 11:33. How It's just beyond us. I mean, to think how that, that you have free will, meaning that you can make any choice you want to make. And yet, all of that fits into God's sovereign plan. That we guess beyond comprehension. How can Jesus Christ be 100% God and 100% man? You you can't grasp it. You just you you look at it. And you go, I don't grasp all that. So when we think about, it, let's talk about the Father. The Father is a spirit being from all eternity. John 4:24. God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and the truth. So the Father is a spirit being. 
Okay? And then we say, okay, what about the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is a spirit being. That makes sense, doesn't it? He's called the Holy Spirit. John 14, 17, he's called the Spirit of Truth. That's spirit being. And then what you may not realize that Jesus Christ uh, was a spirit being from all eternity. Until, and so we call that the pre-incarnate Christ. And so from all eternity, Jesus Christ is a, is, is a spirit being. So all three are. And then at a point in time in history, what happened? Jesus Christ what? Jesus Christ became a person. Philippians 2, the passage 5, uh, where, where you're looking at in Philippians chapter 2, it, it, uh, uh, it basically says, although he's existed as God, then it says in verse 7, he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the likeness of men. And so Jesus Christ, at a point in time in history, left the glories of heaven to become a human being. And Jesus is now... The what? The God-man. And and there's nobody like him. He's the mediator between God and man. And that is the mediator, Jesus Christ. And so when we think about it, we go, wow, there's the Trinity, the, the, you know, whoever he is, whatever he's done. And Hebrews talks about the same thing. But we realize that when we study this, this eternal God, that that Jesus Christ is served, this eternal God being. And, And by the way, let me throw one other thing out. We always say Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus wasn't born at some time and became the Son of God. For all eternity, this pattern of Father, Son, and Spirit has always been there. I know that some people teach, in fact, uh, there was a pretty famous Bible teacher that taught, this is about eight years ago, I think he's changed his mind. He taught that Jesus was not the Son of God until he was born into this world. That's not accurate. He's always the Son of God. He's always been the Son of God. But remember this. When we say Son of God, it doesn't mean that the, he's the Father and he has this boy, this Son, and then they become together. No. Jesus Christ has always existed as God, but always existed as the Son. He's always existed as the Father. He's always existed as the Spirit. That's how it goes. and We just can't grasp it all. But realize that this Jesus Christ is served by angels. They're connected to his life and ministry. We already saw there's no plan of salvation for the angels that are bad. So Jesus is the most important person who's ever lived. And, and before that, we want to, we wanna, in the last lesson, we talked about angels' ministry to God. And y'all wrote it down in your test. They worship him. They serve him. They deliver messages. They bring judgment. You don't have to write all that down because you already know it. But that's what angels do to the, basically to the Father. Then to mankind, they serve us, they bring messages, they help answer prayer, they observe ministries, they have protection at death, there's joy. It, we put salvation with the ideas of the physical deliverance type salvation. And so all of that is there. Well, in this lesson, we're going to see the angels' ministry to Jesus Christ. And so I've got two things for you, as, as your little book says. Uh, uh, there's two aspects of the angels' ministry to Christ. One, we're going to look at the angel of Jehovah. And we'll talk more about how you get Jehovah, where that came from, and the angels' ministry to Jesus Christ. And that'll take the night. And as we go through it, if you've got questions, comments, input, you can stop me. Uh, a lot of it is very familiar just when we think about it. Sometimes if I started naming things and I said, what about there? You might have to think and say, were angels there or not? What about this event? Were angels there or not? And what we found out, that they're everywhere. They're all over the place. So let's start with a, a term. And the reason I, I put this up here because we hear it all the time. The angel of Jehovah. Now, I'm going to erase this. When we think of the word Jehovah, we always say Jehovah God or God's name. God's name is Y-H-W-H. 
That's the Hebrew name. It goes back this way. Y-H-W-H, and that's the personal name of God. There's a a Hebrew name is El, which is the singular form of God. Then there's Elohim, which is the plural form of God. There's a name named Adonai, which means Lord, which is usually translated Lord. In your Bibles, when you see capital capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is that name. When you see capital L, little O, little R, little D, that's that name. And so when you start looking in the Bible, you say, okay, we're talking about the angel of Jehovah. That's what people call it. Where did the name Jehovah come from if this is a name, and this is a name, and this is a name? And in, in the Greek, you know, you've you got Jesus, and you've got Christ, and, and those. So where did Jehovah come from? Well, the Jewish people would not say this name. And they would say Adonai. And so what they decided to do is whenever they saw this name, they took the constants from this name and the vowels from this name, put them together, and it became the name Jehovah. Now, when you hear people like Jehovah's Witnesses and they talk about the true God as Jehovah God, the truth is there is no such name as Jehovah in the Bible. It's a combination of YHWH, which we sometimes translate Yahweh, along with Adonai, and so Jehovah. So when we say angel of Jehovah, we're really saying the angel of God. What does this mean? Who is the angel of Jehovah in the Bible? And, and actually, it's, it's YHWH. And the best that we can tell, the angel of Jehovah is the pre-incarnate Christ. If you remember, there are times when God would make his presence known in the Old Testament. Can you think of some times? Give me some times that God made his presence known in the Old Testament. Huh? Okay, so here's this this person. Here's this person. And then in the garden, who came to see Adam and Eve in the evening? And they heard him walking. And so, there t- so a lot of people say that this angel of Jehovah, that's what he's called, and we're going to see some places in just a minute, is actually Jesus Christ in some form before he became a human being. That's what they say that it is. He's called the messenger of, of Jehovah. And uh, what we find out is that J- Jesus speaks as God, and this, this is Jesus, he speaks as God, is identified as God. That's in your little hand out there. Who is the angel of Jehovah? We think it's God. He, Jesus, speaks as God and is identified as God in the Scripture. So I want you to look at Exodus, okay? Turn to Exodus chapter Chapter 3, okay? Just turn back over there, all the way, way, way back. And this is a passage you know, because this is where Moses is out there by the burning bush. Exodus chapter 3, and we just want to see this, verses 2, two 3, 4, 5, and 6, that little part. And so, notice what happens. It says, oh, uh, Moses, verse chapter 3, verse 1, is pastoring the flock. He's out there, and then look at verse 2. The angel of the Lord, and if you notice, Lord, there is all four caps, right? It, it's this name right here, that name right there. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. He was looked, and the bush was burning, but it wasn't burned up. So Moses said, wow, that's weird. That bush is burning, but not burned up. So I'm going to go over there. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, the Lord called to him, Moses, Moses, come over here. And, and Moses said, I'm here, I am. And he said, take off your shoes. It's holy ground. And then he says, I am the God of your father. Now, what's, who's, what's he been called up to this point? A angel of Jehovah. But he just says, well, who is he? You know, this is the personal name of God, and he just says, I am the God of your father, Abraham. So the angel of Jehovah there is God. 
And he uses the name YHWH, the personal name of God. If you go all the way down to verse 13, when Moses says, well, who are you? And who are you? And Moses said, what am I going to tell them? In verse 14, Moses says, I am. I mean, God says to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. That's the, by the way, the name for I am is a, a same form, almost a form of this. It's Hayah, which is a little bit bad. It's a little bit different, but the same root. So the name Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, literally means I am. It comes from the same root as the verb I am. And so when he says, what's your name? He said, I am who I am. That's, that's the key. That's why when Jesus is on the earth, he said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. He's just not using the verb I am like we might use the verb. He's saying I'm God. I am the God of the Old Testament. I'm who that it is. So I think that as we look at this, we realize that the, 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 the Yahweh or the angel of the Lord is really Jesus Christ. Uh, I've got down there for you Judges 13. If you remember, that was... That was uh, uh, the the mother uh, of oh my gosh my mind's blank who am I thinking of uh, Samson Samson's mom and daddy all, all of a sudden the angel of the Lord appeared and told him they were going to have a son and said don't drink any wine or anything and he won't drink any wine or anything and he's going to be you know amazing and and then uh, he he disappears and they realize and and they say you know we just talked to God they understand exactly who he is and then in G- Genesis 22 do you remember that God that Gen- that Abraham was wrestling with somebody I mean not Abraham uh, Abraham was uh, th- I'm sorry when Abraham offered up his son as a sacrifice and got ready to do it it was the angel of the Lord that stopped him so amazing so when you think about who is the angel of the Lord or the angel of Jehovah who could this possibly be it, it's, it's, it's God the angel of the Lord and the Lord they're two different persons I, I put down there in Zechariah you don't have to put uh, we don't have to turn over there but it actually says the, the Lord is speaking is, it, it speaks to the Lord there so the Lord L-O-R-D speaks to the L-O-R-D and one of them is the angel of the Lord so what we see from the Old Testament is that G, that the angel Lord must be the pre-incarnate Christ. That's all. We, that's best we can come up with. Now, here's the thing that is amazing. I've got it for you at the bottom of your page. After the incarnation of Jesus Christ, there is never another mention in the Bible of the angel of the Lord. So, who do you, who do you think that the, the Father of the Lord? Here it is. Peace of the angel of the Lord speaks to the Lord, and then right there, after the incarnation of Jesus, there's never another mention of the angel of the Lord. So why not? Because Jesus Christ has become what? A person, exactly. And so when you read in the Bible, angel of the Lord, you have to look at it. Because sometimes it'll say an angel of the Lord. And then that's not talking about the angel of the Lord. That's talking about a regular angel. Because God sends an angel. An angel of the Lord came there. An angel did this. But when it says the angel of the Lord, when you look at it carefully, you'll see that whoever, whoever this is, we think it's Jesus uh, who, in his pre-incarnate state. You know, if the Father is a spirit being, and the Holy Spirit's a spirit being, then somehow Jesus, before he took on flesh, would make his presence known. Let me just throw something out. When, when Moses said, I want to see God, I want to see you, God said, nobody can see me in what? And live. But, but there's Jesus in the garden 
we think. And there's the, the, the angel of the Lord is with Manoah and them. The angel of the Lord is with Abraham. The angel of the Lord is different places. So the angel of the Lord is not the Father. Because the God the Father said, nobody can see me in what? Live. And you remember when we looked in the book of Revelation and we got, John got taken up into heaven and he saw this throne. When he actually starts describing the one sitting on the throne, he didn't really describe it. He said it was like a color, red color, and like something you could see through. And I mean, so you didn't really see what the Father looks like. Now, when the Son came out, what did he look like? You remember he looked like a lamb who had been slain. But so the question some people say, and I'm just throwing this out, will we ever see the Father? I don't know. Will we see the Son? Of course. He, he's got a body. He's going to have a body forever. I've asked this people, I said, before, before he, all, and for all eternity, Jesus Christ was a spirit. Then he becomes flesh. He died and rose again, ascended to heaven. And I've asked the question, does Jesus Christ have a body now? What's the answer? Yes, uh, you know, don't think he's some kind of spirit thing floating around again. No, he's got a body. Where is he? Seated where? At the right hand of the throne of the Father. And that's why, you know, he, yeah, that's why when, uh, yes, question, you got a question? Oh, yeah, I don't, yeah. Uh, the answer is that the Lord is speaking yeah, angel of the Lord is speaking to the Lord. That, so the, the, what I was trying to get at is the angel of the Lord, who is God, is speaking to the Lord. So I think it's the Son speaking to the Father, and that the angel of the Lord is the Son. There are just things we do not know. And when you look in Scripture, I mean, I, I, I don't see in the book of Revelation, when we're seeing actually the heavenly things, you, you don't see actually a form of the Father but you do see forms of the sun. He's like a lamb. He's this. Yeah. Um, I'd actually never thought about this. So we have the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And God is one, but in three parts. Is each aspect of the Lord equal? Because you have a father and son, so it would seem like it's not equal or does the Bible. Okay. It's a great question. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, are they equal? The answer is yes. They're all three God. All three have the same characteristics. They all have different responsibilities. The Father came up with the plan. The Son carried out the plan. The Holy Spirit reveals the plan. So it's the Father who said, I so love the world, I'm going to send my Son. That's the plan. He came up with the plan. The Son says, I'll carry out the plan. Jesus left the glories of heaven, become a human being to die in our place and rise again. And the Holy Spirit reveals the plan. He's the Spirit that convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So that, I mean, that's just a basic thing. But they all, you know, uh, in Acts, the Holy Spirit is called God. You know, he says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've lied to God. And so they're all God, they're all equal, they all have the same characteristics. Um, and, and yet, there are a lot of people, because, let me just tell you something, there's a lot of people when they, when they talk about, they say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here, Spirit's not exactly like them. No, He's exactly like them. But a lot of people say, well, but the Bible always talks about the Father and the Son and doesn't talk very much about the Holy Spirit. That's true. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit's job is not to talk about Himself, it's to talk about Jesus. And so whenever you find ministries that their ministry and the emphasis is Holy Spirit, there's something not right. 
The emphasis should always be Jesus. The Father sent the Son. The Holy Spirit talks about the Son and what he did. The emphasis in all of it is Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, my whole ministry is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's, that's the message. So, uh, great stuff. They're all equal. Uh, do what? Yeah, it is a great question. Great question. If you got questions, let me know. Okay, uh, so after, after the incarnation of Jesus, there is never another mention of the angel of the Lord. So I think, now this is just me, I, I think the angel of the Lord is Jesus. And that's the best that I, we can come up with, okay? But that's, I just wanted you to get that. Now, let's go to number two, the big number two, and that's angels' ministry to Jesus Christ. I think that when we start going down this, when I started to study this some time ago, I, I could not believe where the angels are all the time. Now, we, let's just take all the way back to eternity, can y'all get that one? Can you grasp that one? All the way back to eternity. And so here's, here's the Father and the Son and the Spirit. They've always existed. Always existed equally. Always, always there. And, 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 and because they're outside of time, and we're inside time, we can't grasp it because when, when God is there, He's not saying, hmm, I wonder what I'm going to do a thousand years from now. There is no time there. He's outside of time. In fact, Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God slain when? Before the foundation of the world. Jesus was slain before there was ever a creation in the sense of timelessness of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So you can picture these, this being, God, in three persons, always existing, and then at some time, he created these beings called angels, spirit beings. And, you know, what is unusual that some of these spirit beings take human forms, can take human forms. And, and so we see that. And then for no telling how long it was the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and these spirit beings. And then God decides to create people. Now, did the angels fall and then God created people? Or did God create people, the angels fall, and Satan come down and tempt man? If I'm guessing, uh, I'm going to say that probably angels fell and God created people. That's because the, the question it could come up, why would God create people? And that's a question we, we don't have an answer for, except the fact that he loves us beyond we could imagine, and he's provided a way of salvation. So there's a lot of things to think about. Okay, angels ministry to Jesus. Let's go back. Let's go back to the garden at the fall. In the garden, Satan came to tempt Adam and Eve. That was, the, that was his plan. And, uh, you know, we, you, you've been in my studies in which we've actually looked in Genesis chapter 3 when, the, you know, Satan comes and, he, you know, he basically lies to the woman and does all that. And then man's there and they all eat and they fall and God comes and everything like that. But what did God do with Adam and Eve after he, by the way, his name was Adam and she was Isha. Uh, the Hebrew name for man is Ish, and the Hebrew name for woman is Isha. She didn't have a name till after the fall. And the name Eve means mother of living because they died and then they, they're alive, spiritually alive. What did God do with the man and woman after they fell in the garden? He did what? Kicked them out. So he drove man out at the east of the Garden of Eden. He stationed what? What did he station there? a cherubim, and the flaming sword which turns every direction. So angels are used at the very beginning to do what? Keep mankind out of the garden. They're everywhere. 
They're everywhere, and they have a ministry with Jesus Christ. So let's talk about, let's just go through it, and if you, you know, if we get through early, we got more time for questions. If not, we'll just keep going. But here's num- number one. The angels did what? They predicted Jesus Christ's birth. Now, we're not going to talk about, at this point, we're starting the prediction of his birth, and we'll go all the way through. We're not going back for eternity and those kind of things and what we can find. But let's start with this. They predicted his birth. Luke chapter 1, if you remember the angel, who what, who came to Mary? Gabriel. He's the, he's the messenger angel, the best that we could tell. He came in and he sent to give Mary the message that she would give birth to the Messiah. I just want you to think for a minute. What would you do if an angel appeared in this room? We'd all be scared, probably, because they're very powerful beings. We know that when Gabriel appeared to Mary, she was frightened. She was scared. And he said, don't be afraid. I bring you this good news. What would you think if an angel told you you were going to have a baby that would be not just to have a baby and you weren't and you didn't you know you, you weren't married yet, but to have a baby that would be the savior of the world? Think about that. What had mankind been looking for from Adam and Eve? The seed of woman who would come through Abraham and then David. And Judah, uh, you know, get all the way down to And then all of a sudden, here's this girl. Listen, y'all, she could have been as young as 14 years old. She could have been as old as 18 or 19. She's not going to be 25 or 26 or 28 years old. That's just not the culture. The culture was she was a young girl. She was an Alma, which means virgin. In the Old Testament, Alma means virgin. New Testament, Parthenos means virgin. She's a virgin. And he comes to this girl, this little girl, basically, and says, guess what? You're going to have a baby, and the baby's going to be the son of God, and the baby's going to be the king of the world. What would you say? She said, I believe you, but I don't understand how it's going to work. And that's when he said, don't, be, don't worry. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and that which will be born in you is of the Holy Spirit is of God. And so they gave Mary the message. And then Matthew, angel came to Joseph in a dream. What did he say? That Joseph was going to put her away because Joseph was such a good man. And that day and time, if a woman got pregnant before you married her, I mean, sometimes they were stoned. And he could have publicly gone and said, she's, she's done something really bad. I'm not marrying her. And she could be stoned. He was going to put her away privately. He was just going to, just going to let it go. Because they're, they're engaged. And you have to be divorced to get, in that day and time, had to be divorced. So they were going to, he was going to divorce her. And an angel came to Joseph in a dream and said, don't be afraid to take Mary. She's having the Messiah. So both of those people had to believe the message of an angel. And so these angels gave the message. And they predicted the birth of of the Messiah. So before Jesus was ever born, angels came and talked about it. Here's the second one. Angels announced Christ's birth, right? You remember that's famous, isn't it? Luke chapter 2, angels came to the shepherds, good news of great joy to all people. I've always, I always have to say this when I study this passage or look at that passage. The only passage from the Bible I ever knew, because I never went to church, and I got this from school, from my elementary school, we had a Christmas program every year. And there were people who were angels, and there were people who were Joseph and Mary, and there were people who was a baby, and there were people who were shepherds. And the story, the re- teacher would read the story, and she'd say, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and they were so afraid. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy to all people born this day in the city of David. is a Savior 
Christ the Lord. Uh, and that, I, that's, the only, that's the only part of the Bible I ever knew before I became a believer because I never went to church. And so angels came and gave this good news. And, of course, it scared the shepherds, but it was a great message. Born this day is a Savior, Christ the Lord. What happened when all those other angels showed up at that night? What did they do? They what? They sang. They didn't sing. It doesn't say sing. It says they, they said. And we all say, and the angels sang. And it, it doesn't say that. So, but if you want them to sing, let them sing. You know? <laughs> I think it makes a better story if they sing. But anyway, who knows? So that here's the third thing. They protected the baby Jesus. Now think about this. Here are angels. And so here is this prediction, the Messiah's coming. Here is the announcement when the baby comes. And then here he is as a baby, and the angels protected him. Herod the king. You know, this is some years. Think about it. The baby is born. You'd think that the whole world would wake up, but they don't. And here's this poor girl and a poor guy. I mean, they're so poor. Let me tell you how poor they are. If you look at in the scripture that on the eighth day you had to circumcise the baby, and when you circumcised the baby, you named him, and they named him Jesus. Then, they, then for a woman, she waited 33 more days. If it was a girl, it was 66 days. If it was a boy, 33 days. And they waited 33 more days, and then they would go in, and they'd had to offer a sacrifice to God. And if it was a boy baby, you offer a sacrifice, and you basically give the sacrifice and get your son back. That's Because every firstborn son belongs to God. Because of Egypt, because all the firstborn children. And so they went in to, to do that, and the sacrifice you offered, there were three sacrifices you could offer. They offered the most inexpensive one that listed. It'll say something like in the scripture, offer this, offer this, and if you're not able to do that, offer these two little birds. That's what they offered. They had no money. They had no money. And so here, here they are, and and and... They decided, I'm, I'm assuming, let me tell you what I think happened. They, they lived, where, where did they live? They lived in, Beth, in, uh, in Nazareth. And then we had to go where? Bethlehem. That's over 200 miles. They go way down to Bethlehem. And then the baby's born. And two years later, where are they? They're still in Bethlehem. wonder why. They might not have had the money to go back. He said, well, I'm a carpenter. I'll just stay down there and do the best I can. And two years later... The wise men come and tell Herod, we're looking for the one born king of the Jews. And Herod said, hey, I'm king of the Jews. And he said, why don't you go find this boy? Let me know so I can worship him also. He was going to kill him. And they go find the baby. And baby Jesus, but baby Jesus isn't a baby anymore. The night he was born, it was called brethos, Greek word for baby. And when they find him two years later, he's called pation, which means little boy. And they find him in a house, not in a, not in a shed outside. And so they find him, and then they leave. And Herod says, "I'm going to kill that all the. Bo- in fact, I'm going to kill all the boy babies two years old and under, about the time." And so what did God do? Matthew two, the angel came to Joseph and said, "Get out! Herod will try to kill the child." And they flee to Egypt. Who's who basically protected Jesus as a baby? angels you know and then and then uh well let me go this and and then later on of course when he came back the angel told him where to go and they they told they came back to return and went back to nazareth and that's where jesus grew up then here's another one they ministered the angels ministered in christ's life and ministry they were all, they were there for him let's talk about that the angels were there uh in hebrews chapter 1 verse 6 they said angels were did, did we go too fast did we go too uh, just uh, Angels ministered in Christ's life and ministry. 
Um, so yeah, just put that in there. So here they are ministering in Christ's life. And so what did they do while he was on the earth? We've already seen they announced his birth. We, they told he was going to be born. They announced his birth. They were there when he was born. They protected him. They've done all this. And now they're going to minister. So what, what are they going to do? Well, we're going to see that, first of all, angels worship Jesus because he's God. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 6 talks about that. And look at this. I, this, is, this is 1 Timothy 3 verse 16. Look what this says. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. Talking about Jesus. He was revealed in the flesh. He became a person. Was vindicated by the Spirit. Meaning he lived that perfect life. He was seen by who? Angels. Proclaimed among the nations. Believed on in the world. And then taken up into glory. That's, that's 1 Timothy 3.16. Most believe that that was a poem that everybody could quote in the first century. About Jesus. So he was there. So when, when were they there? What did the angels do? Well, at the temptation by the devil. In chapter 4, verse 11, did, uh, did you get that? About the temptation, A, is temptation. Uh, in, in Matthew 4, 11, they, he goes and the a- angels are right there with him. After the temptations, an angel came and ministered to him. Have you ever thought about how long was Jesus in the, in the wilderness? 40 what? 40 days. And, you know, 40 in the scripture always means some type of testing. Always. And, and so Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days, and he didn't eat for 40 days or 40 nights. So he was full of hungry. Here comes the temptation, right? And he, and he passes it perfectly. And then who comes to him after Satan leaves? Angels. Angels came to him. Angels came to serve, to wait upon him, to be there. When he, and I'm going to put this right here, when he cast out demons, this is B, uh, Matthew 8, Mark 1, they're all, Jesus is there casting out these demons. And when we talk about these beings, we're at the, we've been talking about how good angels serve Jesus, but there are bad angels that are come in contact with Jesus. And what is the thing they say every time they come into contact with Jesus? Have you come to what? Judge me, judge us before our time. Good angels are going to be with, with God forever. Bad angels are going to be separated from God forever. And that's a judgment. And they go into the lake of fire. And they know it. And so all the way through, he, as he cast out demons, they're all there. The third thing is they're with him in the garden. Do you remember what happened here? He got in the garden with Peter, James, and John, and the rest of the guys he took. Peter, James, and John and said, come over here with me. He, and he said, I want you to pray, not fall asleep, be praying, stay right there. And then he went a little further over, but they kept falling asleep, and he kept coming over. And then, but while he was praying, what happened? Angels came. Angels came. As he was praying, they came and strengthened him. Now, I know that when you think about Jesus, let me just ask you this question. What do you think Jesus was thinking on the night that he was about to be arrested? He knows everything, right? He knows the end of the beginning. He knows he's going to be arrested. He knows he's going to be put on the cross. What do you think he was thinking? Huh? About others? Well, I mean, what? But what do you think he was thinking about himself? He, first of all, in one of his prayers said, if it's possible, and it's not, but if it's possible, let this pass. But nevertheless, my will, not my will, but your will. Did he think that it was going to hurt well, does he have a human body? Did he have feelings? Did, I mean, do you, you think, and listen, it's one thing to get crucified and not know what it was going to feel like. It's another thing to get crucified and already know what's coming, know exactly what's going to happen. Huh? 
Uh, oh, yeah, we didn't even thought about the whipping. I mean, just it's just horrible. Uh, so, he, yeah, you going to say something? That's a great point. Not only did he suffer physically, but he bore the sins of every person who's ever lived and ever will live, past, present, future. Every sin of every person was placed on Jesus Christ for all time. So, And at the end, what does he say? It is finished. Payment's already made. By the way, payment was made before he died. We'll do that. We'll go over that sometime. In fact, if you come to membership training, I'll go over that. That's kind of fun. But anyway, so in the garden, they're there. And then at Christ's arrest, were they there? Were angels there? Listen, they came to get Jesus. Judas, Judas came up and he said, by the way, let me ask you a question. Why do you think Jesus, Judas had to tell the religious leaders to make sure you get the right guy? I'll go up and give him a kiss on the side. Did they not know Jesus? Why do you think Judas said, I'll give a kiss to the guy so you can arrest the right guy? Huh? Well, no, I don't know if there's a prophecy about getting kissed there. But exactly, it was at night. They, they were coming with torches and stuff. They didn't want to arrest the wrong guy. And they didn't, all these people are there. And they said, look, I'll go up to the right guy. And I'll give him a kiss and, and let you know that's the guy to arrest. That's, I think that's exactly right. So what did they do? What did Jesus say? Peter did what? What did he do? Pulled out the sword, swung it. Uh, who did, whose ear did he cut off? Anybody know? Malchus. Yeah, cut off Malchus. He was a servant of the high priest. Cut it off, and Jesus said, put it up. Because if you live with the sword, you die by the sword. He didn't want them to die. Listen, do you know he wanted them to be scattered? Have you thought about that? The scripture said, you'll strike the shepherd and the what? She will be scattered. He said, you'll be scattered. That sounds really bad, but you know, that was really good. Why? Because if they stayed there, they might have all died. And then who's going to be the one to carry on the ministry? Think about it. He's basically saving their lives and preparing for who's going to take the message after he's gone. So, pretty incredible thing. Jesus said, I could call, what, 12 legions of angels. How many is in a legion? Do you know? How many? How many? Six thousands in allegiance. So he said, I could call right now 72,000 angels. And if one angel could kill 185,000 Assyrians, I think you've got plenty of firepower there, right? And what does he say? He said, let it go because this has to happen. Wow. So how many angels? Twelve legions of angels. Wow. Okay, number five. The angels were at his what? Resurrection. Now so far... They announced his birth. They were at his birth. They protected him at his birth. They were with him all through his ministry. They were with him when he got arrested. And now he's died. They're with him at his resurrection. He's at everything. They're, I mean, he, everything that he does, they're there. Who rolled away the stone? You remember the, the ladies were coming out that morning and they said, I don't know what we're going to do because it's a big old stone. I don't think we could push it ourselves. And when they got there, an angel of the Lord had already come and done what? Rolled away the stone. The angels. And you know what they said? He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. At his resurrection, angels saying, you can look in here if you want to. There's nobody there. There's nobody there. Just powerful, powerful truths about these angels and what they do. And, and I mean, it's just beyond it. I, I, I think that if you can remember also in Luke 24, 4 through 8, 
the women go to the tomb, and, and they go real early in the morning. By the way, if you, if you, if you get a chance, you, the Rowry Study Bible has a page in the Rowry Study Bible that gives you the order of the events of the resurrection. Because there's a lot of confusion because you've got women going out there and some women leaving and then James and John coming running out there and then other people coming out there. But the best we could tell, the women came out there and when they saw that, the, uh, that one, of, one of the women that went, Mary, she, as soon as she realized the stone was rolled away and the body wasn't there, she ran back. She ran back to find Peter and James. Uh, Peter, Peter uh, James and John, I mean. And the other ladies stayed and while they were staying, all of a sudden they saw two men in dazzling clothes, and they went and they said, "What are you? What are you? What are you looking? Why are you come to the place of the dead to find the living? You, they're not here. He's not here. He's risen, just like you said. Didn't you remember the things that he told you?" And they said, "Yeah, we do now. We do now." They left. Now Mary has gone gone to tell James and John, and they go running. James and John go running up there, and they go in, and it's empty. And they don't know what to think, and they leave. And then she goes back up there, and she looks around, and she says, I can't believe somebody got the body. And she hears somebody behind her because she's crying. And he says, why are you crying? And she said, oh, you're the gardener. Listen, if you tell me where you put the body, I'll take it. And he said, Mary. And she said, Raboni. She knew exactly who he was. She could tell his voice, and she realized who he was. So that morning of going out to the tomb, there's people running back and forth and going everywhere. But angels are there. They rolled the stone away, and they told the, the women that Jesus was not there. Get this right here. They were at his ascension. At his ascension. Let's turn. Let's look at something. Go to Acts chapter 1. I just want you to see this for a minute. I've, we haven't gone a lot of verses. I've just given you a lot of information. But I want you to see this. And there's two things I want you to think about. But th this is just throwing some, some Bible stuff in there, not just necessarily just about angels. But I want you to see some things. So we have the eternal Son of God. And then at a point in time, He becomes a human being. And angels say he's coming. Angels announce the birth. Angels are there at the birth. Angels are doing him all through his life. Angels are there when he's arrested. Angels are there when he dies. Angels are there when he raises from the grave. Angels are there when people come out to the grave. And then he walks on the earth for how long? Forty days. Why forty days? I mean, Goliath challenged the nation of Israel for how long? Forty days. That rained. That rained in the garden. I mean, in the early at the, at the flood for how long? Forty days and forty nights. How long were they on the ark? <laughs> Three hundred and seventy days. Three hundred and seventy days. Just remember that it rained for forty days and forty nights, but the water didn't even reach the top till one hundred fifty days, and they were on the ark for three hundred and seventy days. But forty is always testing, right? And then, uh, how long did they spy out the uh, the land? The, the 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 twelve spies. How long? Forty days. When they came back and they didn't want to go into the land, what did God say? You're going to wander in the desert for forty years. So everything forty has the idea of testing or a special time. And so Jesus walks on the earth for forty days, and then 
He ascended into heaven. He was there 10 days when the Holy Spirit came down. And this was the Feast of Pentecost. And that's when the church started. But I want you to notice something that you may not have looked at. It says this. Um, this is Acts chapter 1, verse 1. This, 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 uh, Luke is writing this to a guy named Theophilus. And it says, The first account I composed Theophilus about all Jesus began to do and teach. That's the gospel of Luke. Until the day when he was taken to heaven, after by the Holy Spirit giving orders to the apostles. To these, to the apostles, he presented himself alive after his suffering. What's his suffering? His death and resurrection. By many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days. Okay, so Jesus appeared on the earth after his resurrection for 40 days. You remember, let me just throw this out. Do you remember when he appeared to the guys, to, to, all, to I want to say all the guys, but not all the guys? He appeared the night after he rose from the grave. They were all in there scared. He appears, and they can't hardly believe it. And after he disappears, who comes in? Thomas comes in, and they say, Thomas, you don't believe this. We just saw him. Thomas says, are you kidding me? No, no, don't. we saw him. He said, well, I, I, I'm, I just can't believe it. Unless I can put my hands in his side and, in, and my, in my fingers in his hands and in his side. Eight days later, eight days, not the next hour, not the next, eight days later. And you can see for that eight days, Thomas is going, wonder why he didn't appear to me. How he appeared to everybody else but me. Eight days later, he appears and Thomas goes, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Thomas, because you see me and believe. But are blessed are those who haven't seen me and believed. Who is that? That's us. Have you seen him? No, but you believed in him for eternal life. So in this 40-day time period, he walked on the earth. And a lot of people saw him. The, 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 the 12 saw him. And, and then Peter saw, uh, uh, Paul saw him. Some other people saw him. 500 people saw him at one time. So what does he say to them? Notice it says, to them, he presented himself alive after suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of how long? And speaking of the things concerning the church of God. Is that right? Does your Bible say that? It doesn't say that, does it? I fooled you. No, I didn't fool you. You looked at it and you thought, Jamie's lost his mind. What does it say? Speaking to them concerning the what? The kingdom. Look, look, you got to understand something. When Jesus came to the earth, he's offering the kingdom. What's supposed to happen is Jesus dies and rises again. There's a time period for seven years. And then there's the kingdom that goes for a thousand years. That's what's supposed to That's Daniel chapter 9. Jesus comes and offers himself as a Messiah. They're supposed to be crucified in belief. There's supposed to be a tribulation time period because the Old Testament said there would be. And then the kingdom. But they didn't accept him as the king. He came and offered himself as the king. What did he say? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's not a salvation message. You got, when Jesus and John the Baptist are going, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that's not a salvation message. Salvation message is always faith. This is repentance, which says, means a change of mind. He's talking to the nation of Israel and telling them, the king is here as a nation. Believe in me. And, and what, he's going to have to die because that's what he got paid for sin. And he's going to rise again. There's going to be this and then the thousand-year reign. But it doesn't happen. They rejected him. He comes back from the dead, walks on the earth for 40 days, and then ascends into heaven, then brings 
the Holy Spirit down, and that starts the church. And the church is a mystery. It's not listed anywhere in the Scripture until this time. But, so what was he teaching them for the 40 days? Over a period of 40 days, speaking of the things concerning the kingdom. You know, he's talking about the thousand-year reign. This is what he's teaching them. Why? Because what's the, mo what's the thing we're looking forward to? People say, I'm looking to heaven. No, no, you're not. You may think you are. You're looking for the kingdom. You're looking when Jesus comes back to this earth as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and sets up the throne, which was the promise going all the way back to Adam and Eve. Who was the king of the world in Adam and Eve? Adam was the king of the world. God set him there and said, I've given you dominion over all the animals, everything. This is your place. Eat anything you want. Don't eat from that tree right there. The moment you do, you die. And he ate from there. He died. He lost the kingship. Who's the king of the world now? Satan is the king of the world. And one of these days, Jesus Christ is going to be the king of the world. He's coming back. He offered himself as the king when he was here the first time. And he was rejected. And he died and paid for the sins of the world. He walks on the earth for 40 years, speaking of the what? The kingdom. And that's why I notice this next part. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. What had the Father promised them? The Holy, Holy Spirit. What came down on the day of Pentecost? Holy Spirit. He said, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay there until the promise. For John baptized you with water. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They asking him. They came together and they asked him and they said, is this the time you were restoring what? What does it say? The kingdom. They're not thinking church. They're thinking kingdom. They're saying, well, is it time? And he says, it's not for you to know the time, but you've got something else to do. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the whole world. And that's going to be, that's the church. That's us. So what are we looking forward to? The, the kingdom, y'all. Now, Jesus is going to come in the clouds, and he's going to take, take us out, and we'll be gone. We'll be with him. There'll be the seven years on the earth, the tribulation, and then he's going to come back as the king of kings and lord of lords, and we're coming back with him. And so bottom line is we're really looking forward to the kingdom. And, and there are a lot of people who say the kingdom's here now. No, it's not. Jesus is sitting on the throne at the right hand of the throne of the Father, but it is not the throne of David. The throne of David is on the earth. Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 17. Yes? So is the kingdom the new heavens and new earth? No. There, well, there is the kingdom that begins, Revelation chapter 20, which is a thousand-year reign of Christ on this earth. At the end of the thousand years, there's a thing called the great white throne judgment. After that, there's the eternal state, and that's called the eternal kingdom. And there will be a new heavens and a new earth, a new Jerusalem, and Jesus will rule forever there. But there is a kingdom on this earth promised to King David back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 17. There's the kingdom that we're all talking about. So we're looking for this kingdom, and then eventually we'll all be in the eternal kingdom, those who are believers. Yeah. Could that help? That help? Okay, yes. Say that again. No, kingdom's for all people. Now the offer, <clears throat> he offers it to Israel. Why? To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Why, Why to the Jew first? Because it's David. 
<clears throat> the promises to David, who will be the king of the Jews, you know, who's supposed to, uh, the promises David's greater son will be the king of the Jews. So, um, how'd we get into that anyway? But anyway, there's some good stuff. But anyway, that's the, the, we're ready for the ascension. They're there at the ascension because at the end of the 40 days, what happens? I want you to notice, um, look at verse 9 of Acts chapter 1. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and the cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently at the sky, behold, guess what? Two men in white clothing stood beside them. I mean, think about that. They're the angels. They're at Christ's ascension. That's, that's where they are. And, and they're there. And, and they say he, he's coming back. He says he's coming back. In fact, it was an amazing thing. He, where do they tell you he's going to come back? Mount of Olives. When Jesus comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, where is he coming back to? The Mount of Olives, right where he left from. Okay. <clears throat> so they're at the ascension. Um, uh, two men, white clothing, they give the message. It's amazing. Here's another thing. They predict his return, right? And that's Acts 1.11. Look what it says. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up at the sky? This Jesus, who's been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Where is he going to come? Zechariah, by the way, you can write it down. Zechariah chapter, I don't know if I have it on your deal. I don't probably do. I, I do. Zechariah 14.4 says he's going to come and his foot is going to go to the Mount of Olives. And you know what's going to happen when he stands on the Mount of Olives? It's going to split in two. And water from the Jordan River is going to run into the Dead Sea and go through Jerusalem and all this, and the Dead Sea is going to have live stuff in it. They'll be able to fish in the Dead Sea in the, in the Millennial Kingdom. So, great stuff. All right, all right we're, not, we're, all, we're almost through. Here we go. Okay, angels will come with Jesus at the rapture. Okay, let me draw this up for us just for fun because you've been seeing it on Sunday mornings. We've been spending most of our time, of course, in the tribulation because that's what the book of Revelation is about. It's about the tribulation time period beginning in chapter 6 all the way through chapter 19. But we know that Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin. We're in the church age right now. There's going to come a time which he's going to come in the clouds. We call that the rapture. And when Jesus comes in the cloud, guess who's coming with him? Angels. Paul taught about it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Paul teaches the believers in Thessalonica. Here's what he says. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the who? That's angels. And with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Jesus is, when Jesus is coming back, angels are coming with him. That is amazing. That is amazing. And so you'll have the shout from Jesus, the voice of the archangel, and the trumpet of God. Let me ask you something. How long is that going to take when he comes? Twinkling of an eye. We'll all be gone just like that. There'll be people who aren't believers to be around you, and they'll just say, what? where did they go? What happened? They're not going to see it. By the way, they're not going to see this. The world won't see this. We'll probably hear the shout and the voice and the trumpet. They won't. It'll be gone. We'll be gone in a twinkle of an eye. Now, when he comes the second time, we're going to talk about that in just a minute, every eye will see him. Okay, so this, this happens so fast, we'll go, whoo, man, that was fast. That was real fast, okay? Yeah, so, do what? Did somebody say something? Okay, anyway, so uh, then angels will be present at the time of rewards. Uh, just because of time, I want to put these verses up for you. In Matthew 16, 27, it says, angels, when Jesus Christ hands out rewards and judgment, angels are there. 
And in fact, in Luke 12, did y'all get the, I've got the verses for you. Luke talks about it. It says that if you deny me, I will deny you. If, I, if you confess me, I'll confess you. Where does he do this? It says before the angels. And, and by the way, denying and confessing is not salvation. That's rewards. If you deny him on this earth, he's going to deny you rewards. If you confess him on this earth and live for him, he'll confess and give you rewards. That's, those are passages that people misunderstand. They, they see things like that and they think, if you don't live for Jesus, you're not a Christian. That has nothing to do with it. That's not what he's saying. Okay, here we go. Y'all ready? Are you okay? Do I need to go back and put anything up there? Y'all okay? Okay, here's this one. Angels will be with Jesus at the second coming. Now, here's what we got. We're up here. We're going, yay. Yay, this is good. Okay, down here is bad. The seven-year tribulation. You remember, it starts with peace, and then war, and then death, and famine, and then death, and then the Antichrist puts his idol up in the temple. You got the 144,000 here. You got the two witnesses here. You got all the plagues and the bad stuff happening here. And then the nation of Israel... Is, is becoming believers. They've all believed in the Lord. The nation of Israel is believing in Jesus Christ. And the enemy surrounds Jerusalem. And the nation of Israel calls upon the name of the Lord. What does that mean? If you're in, in Grow Group, what does it mean to call upon the name of the Lord? It is not for eternal life salvation. It's to call for a deliverance. They've already believed. How can you call if you have not believed? Believing comes first. When they call, guess who comes? Jesus Christ, that's the second coming. He's coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he says, I'm coming. And guess who's coming with him? Angels. At Jesus' reign as king, they're coming. Uh, Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glories and all his angels with him, then he will sit on the glorious throne. Think about that. Wow. Wow, the angels with him. And then when he judges uh, the unbelievers, um, I mean, it's just... Let me write this up for you. Click the next one. When he judges the unbelievers. What now? Too fast? Okay. Yeah, just write. Just know that you don't have to write. That's just the verse. Just remember the angels are going to be with him when he comes at the second coming. Huh? What did you say? I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't even know where we are now. Okay, so this is, uh, okay, that's raining. That's the verse, okay? Then here's when he judges. He judges the unbelievers, okay? And look at this. Listen, listen to this. I'm going to put a verse up for you. You got it listed there. He gives to the relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with what? His mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those that do not know God and those that do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes right here, there's going to be a thing called the separation of the sheep and the goats. We're going to get to it. It's found in Matthew 24, 25. We're going to see it in the book of Revelation when Jesus Christ comes. And those angels come, his mighty angels in flaming fire. They're going to be there. They're in every aspect. They're always there. And then there's one that says they carry out the separation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to tell you all. The workbook is wrong. The workbook says 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 7 and 8. So just make sure you mark that out. Uh, we'll get it changed one of these days. Huh? After or before? After. Okay. 
Angels carry out separation. They're going to separate that, that. That's where the sheep and the goats and the unbelievers and the, the believers. In fact, let me, if you've got that written, that there's a verse right there. Of course, you probably got it, don't you? Let me see if you've already got it in your book. Yeah, I've got the verse there for the unbelievers and the believers. The angels are there when they're separating believers out from unbelievers. And part of that's Matthew 24, sheep and goats. Matthew 13 talks about how the angels are going to come. And then here's the last thing, and then we'll have time for some questions if we want to. Uh, the angels will be with Jesus in the New Jerusalem. Remember we were talking a while ago about the New Jerusalem? They're going to be there, in there, and, and listen to this. this is, I've got Hebrews 12, 22. But you have come, uh, just angels will be in the New Jerusalem with Jesus. Uh, so they're, they're going to be there. Y'all got it? Uh, you could just put angels, Jesus, Jerusalem, anyway, New Jerusalem. And here's the deal. Look at this. You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels. We've already seen in the, at the, around the throne of God. What's up there? Angels everywhere. You can't even count them. And let me ask you a question, though. Where will they be in, in the heavenly Jerusalem and the new Jerusalem? Where will they be? Look. Angels will be at the gates of the new Jerusalem. Look at this verse right here. The, the city has a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels. And the names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Let me ask you a question. Every place we talk about, are there angels there? I mean, think about it. At the, before the birth of Christ, at the birth of Christ, through his ministry, at his death, at his resurrection, at his ascension, at his second coming, at his coming in the clouds, at his coming to set up the kingdom, as during the kingdom, at the end of the kingdom, at the great white throne judgment, at the, he, they are in every place you can name connected with Jesus Christ. So, with that in mind, let's do this. Let's understand, this is some applications, let's understand the identity of the angel of the Lord. Now, who do we think that is? That's Jesus. The angel, the angel was seen before the incarnation of Christ, and the angel of the Lord is God. Okay, that's the best. We don't have those. Uh, do we have just blanks? We have blanks. It takes people time to, to write this in. I think in the future we're just going to give you most of it and just a few blanks to fill in because I don't want you to take that kind of time. But just remember, the angel of the Lord was seen before the incarnation of Christ. The angel of the Lord is God. There's no doubt about that. And then the third thing, the angel of the Lord is not mentioned after the incarnation of Jesus. So the bottom line, apparently, angel of the Lord must be Jesus in his pre-incarnate state. And, and that's the best we can tell. Here's the second one. Are you all ready for the next one? No, you're not or you are? Okay, I'll give you a little bit. Huh? Yeah, yeah. This is, we just typed it out there, but the angel of the Lord, is, it's L-O-R-D, all caps, whenever you see it in Scripture. Okay, tell me when somebody's ready. Y'all ready? No, okay. The thing about it, I can write real fast, but then I can't read any other thing I ever write, so it doesn't matter. I could say, well, I got that written down already, but I can't read it. Next one? Okay, here we go. Let's understand the angel's ministry to Jesus. Now, we got all those things, 10 or 11 things that we highlighted. Here's all I want you to know is they are at all the key events, 
And they worship and serve Jesus Christ for all time and forevermore. So just say they worship Jesus and there's their everything as far as application.